What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. My name is Jay DeMeo, and I'm the host of the CVAS Podcast, and I am fired up to catch up with my buddy, Prajesh Patel. B, welcome back, and not only welcome back, but stoked to have you up in Pittsburgh, April 29th to 30th, for this summer's, or this spring's edition of the seminar. Thanks, Jay. It's, it's again, like I said to you before, it's an honor to be involved and even humble to be even asked. So I, I'm excited about the opportunity and and it's going to be one of the first uh, conferences I've been to live since before COVID. So that'll be even more fun, too. Yeah, it'll be a blast. And I actually just got to check the place out uh, again. Another shout out to Todd Hammer and everybody at Union Fitness for you know helping us out and bringing us up there because the, the facility is sensational, man. Like it's the whole area there is just like, I, I don't even want to think about the amount of work that's gone into this, but like when people get into this lecture hall and like the area walking into it, it's really stunning. I'm really fired up for all of this. Wow. I'm excited. I'm excited. I remember when Hammer left GW to go back there because one of my new assistants, you've spoken to him before, Simone, mm-hmm. Simone worked with, worked with uh, Todd there and she said it was a really good opportunity for him. So I'm excited to see him. Plus the, plus the place and everybody who's going to be in attendance should be fun. Yeah, man. So what, you know, what's been new with, with B what's been going on up there and, and what are some new things you're getting into? So um, it's, it's uh, if everything has been good, right. So I'll go getting back into training our kids and, and um, getting back into this school year feels a little bit more normal than it has. Like last year was just a train wreck all around just trying to figure out things on a day-to-day basis, but like coming back to um, this year, things feel a little bit more like normal. We're getting back into uh, our winter sports season, which is nice. Fall teams are rolling right now too. And we haven't had any kind of stoppages. So that's been great. Um, But before like COVID hit this, a lot of things that I was kind of exploring and looking into um, was fascia in, in, in exploring it and trying to understand it. I had heard about it for years and I finally read anatomy trains and it, and it led me into a deep dive of lots of other types of things. It's led me to some different technology, um, using isokinetics and, and, and different things like that. But, um, I've, I've been able to implement some of those things back because we've been able to train a little bit more consistently, a little bit more normally. We had an off season on campus this summer. Um, so really deep diving into fascia, deep, deep diving into fascial stretching, Eldoa, um, using an ohm. I don't know if you've ever been familiar with it, but um, Optimal Human Performance is a company, but they make some unbelievable isokinetic technology that we've been able to use within our training. Um, and that's kind of like what I want to speak about at, at, at the conference is it's, it's, it's about fashion and what it is and how to understand it and how we can impact it from a training standpoint. Yeah, the people that I talk to about the Eldoa stuff, they love it and they seem to, I guess the thing that when I look at it, I think I would have a hard time communicating exactly how to do it properly, but they seem to tell me I'm an idiot and that it's not really as hard as it looks to get the point across. And it's really something that they see great results with. Yeah. It's a, the, the, you know, the, when we start implementing it with our athletes, the, um, the best analogy I can kind of give them was like, listen, like the way your fascia works is like, think of like uh, one fascia line per se is, is like a towel, right? If we just did maybe a pigeon stretch or some sort of glute stretch or a hamstring stretch, whatever it may be, we may be stretching just one aspect of the towel, which may be the middle of the towel. 
And then if I let go, it might create a bunching effect within that towel. But for us to be able to get the best stretch out of that fascial line, we have to tension both ends of the towel or the rope or whatever analogy that you want to have. And when we use Eldoa, you're basically creating tension at both ends to fully elongate that fascial line. And you may feel the stretch a little bit differently than I feel the stretch because you may have a densification or a restriction in different part of that fascial line than I may have, if that makes sense. No, 100%. It's just like anywhere up the chain, right? Anything can be tight and you feel it a different way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what you're trying to do is create elongation or tension or traction throughout uh, throughout the chain. Because um, I think a lot of what we do, strength coaches, practitioners, um, I think we use compression to fascia a lot. Um, in terms of foam rolling and, and using peanuts and lacrosse balls and theraguns or whatever, and what have you, which is stimulatory to the, to the fascial system. But I think traction is going to be a little bit way. It's another way that we can stimulate our fascia too. Cause the thing they got to understand is there's so many nerve endings and proprioceptors that lie that are embedded within your fascial system. And when, what we want to do is we want to be able to tension and elongate those fascial systems so they can communicate information back to the brain of where we are in space so that we can navigate our environment more effectively and more efficiently. So traction, just another way to stimulate those proprioceptors too. No, I dig it. So then you started with anatomy trains and then where did that run in the rabbit hole too? Um, so then that led me to, uh, stretch to win, um, which is, I think the, by the Fred, the, by the Fredericks. And then I looked in the certification and, um, it was a little too pricey for me. Um, but I read the books and that kind of led me into another book called the permanent pain cure by Ming Chu. Um, and that was awesome. It was a very user-friendly, like an end user type of type of book. Um, that gives you a understanding of what fascia is, but predominantly it's loaded with different types of fascial stretches. Um, and I looked into Eldoa. Um, and then that led me to, which, ironically, um, Iron Shirt, which is by, which is a, uh, a Qigong book. And it was, have you ever heard of it? Yeah, actually I have. Yeah. And so when I read that book, um, there were so many pictures and the pictures were funny. It's like little comic drawings. Um, they talked about fascia and they talked about chi and they talked about energy and they talked about all these things. I'm like, Holy Christ. Like they knew everything like, like well before we do, we do in Western culture, like they knew everything and they understood how everything was connected and how your energy flows through your chi and how the fascial system is connected. And it kind of tied a lot of things that I have kind of looked into, like with RPR and breathing and PRI and all these types of aspects. And I'm like, wow, like there is something deep into, um, into chi, but also how the Chinese understood about fascia and meridians. And that led me to talking to some friends and they talked about um, some of the best treatment that they've ever had for their athletes was was um, stecco fascia manipulation. You're familiar with that? You ever heard of that? No. So uh, Luigi Stecco was a bodywork expert in in Italy, and he created this method called he calls it fascial manipulation. Some people will call it stecco, um, and he very similar to um, it's a it's a body works type of type of treatment and therapy, but a lot of what he does is if 
it he will find the restriction within your fascial lines and his lines are a little much more like chinese meridians versus thomas myers anatomy trains lines are um but he'll find different pressure points in different areas within your body um and they'll do an injury history and all those types of things but they'd work on it and it's deep and it's not fun it's not a fun source of treatment but in terms of getting results um it's unreal and i don't know if this makes sense but the late then i was able to find somebody around the area that could do it and um the guy that i found was dr warren hammer who is like 45 minutes away but he teaches stecco he is best he's like really good friends with stecco like luigi stecco like he's gone to italy goes to fascial presentations and conferences around the world um but I went down to go see him for a couple of treatments. I had an athlete go see him. Um, I've had him come to speak to our staff up here. Um, and he's the man. Like, I remember I talked to Art about Warren Hammer. And, and Art, Art Horn was like, I've got books by Warren Hammer on my shelf. And uh, he's an absolute legend. But anyway, like, he's one of the nicest guys I've met. And he'll talk to me about fascia and, and send me stuff. But um, so long story short, started with anatomy trains. And it went down a deep deep rabbit hole, but I learned about that. Um, I've met Bill Parisi along the way and talked to him because he's explored fascia. Um, and then I was able to find out about this isokinetic technology called Ohm. Um, I posted videos on my Instagram about it too, um, about how it's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable piece of technology that I think is a game changer in performance and strength conditioning, but you've got to wrap your head around it. You got to think a little bit differently um, because it's all concentric. A lot of people like naysayers will say, well, there's no eccentric contractions with it. I said, it's, it's not the end all be all. It's not going to replace anything. It's a complement to um, speed work, plyos, um, isos, eccentrics, anything that you would do in a weight room, but as a complementary standpoint, because it gets you to understand how to get your deep fascial layers and your muscle layers to slide and glide much more effectively, which allows you to move with less restriction. If you can move without less restriction, you can move more efficiently. If you can move more efficiently, you're going to expend less energy and you can be better at your sport potentially. Which the fastest athletes are the ones that relax the fastest. So that mm -hmm. really just kind of makes sense. No, it does. And so, um, it's again, it's, it, they're in their infancy in terms of a company and they're in Connecticut too. So fortunately the, the, the inventor and the owner is a physicist, doesn't really understand training. Um, but myself and some other people have been, been privy enough to be able to use the technology and try to help them get their word out and get their name out. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's unreal. Like if you ever get your chance to, to just play around and tool around with it, like that's, it can, it can get you out of pain quickly. It can teach you how to move a little bit more efficiently. You don't need to coach people on it because you basically figure out how to move. And, and so when I say I used to kinetic, you can get, you can slow down speeds to 0.1 mile an hour, or you can move up to 10 miles an hour. So we've used it from return to play situations, um, rehab situations. We've got people in a, in a uh, we can potentiate people with it. We can warm people up with it. Um, the cord can go out a hundred feet. So there's, there's tons of things that you can do with it. That's pretty neat. I'm gonna have to look yeah. into that. Cause I think that that's something that, again, like we were talking before a bit about the duration and kind of lack of pauses when it comes to, it's funny, which was the problem we were talking about before. It was like the amount of the pause, but now like getting back into real 
college basketball, like the lack of the pause that, you know, with all of the summer rules and all this and that, I would think that that would be a great place for it to fit in, right? Like these guys that are in these gals that are always running up and down and beating up their legs, like, you know, the, the people with the patellofemoral things, I would figure that this would be something that would be really, really important or maybe important is not the right word, but helpful when it comes to keeping them upright as long as possible, really. Yeah, I mean, and also just to get them to be able to, you know, like, it's like loaded stretching, honestly. Like, if you if you put different handles on it, you can create whatever, you can bias it to whatever that it is that you want to get out of it. Um, but what it is, is it's full body tension. When you're moving at half a mile an hour, and you're doing a retro walk, and you've got handles in your hands, I mean, you're elongating your whole posterior metastinum, your whole upper back. And you're creating the tension yourself. You're retro walking. So you're creating the forces internally to get your fascia and deep and deep muscle layers to slide and glide so you can move. And it's like if somebody was like about to dig in up, put an elbow in you and, and move your fascia, that's passive. Like this is active. So you're doing it yourself. And now you're involving your nervous system too, because you're actively moving and you're walking. Like it's, it's, it's a no brainer. If you can truly understand how, um, how the technology works, but also how fascia works and how, how it's integrated with your nervous system. Um, it, it's, it's, you, it's going to intrigue a lot of people. Um, and a lot of people will be able to understand how it can fit their own situations like yourself. But that's where I really want. That's I'm excited to talk about it. You know? No, I love it, man. And I think that that's something that's, What's always really important is finding out what things people are doing a little bit different and how that has been leading to their success, right? Because I think that at the end of the day, like we can talk about, oh, well, that's this team's speed program or like this team does these things. But like, if you can actually quantify and qualify and show how things are improving, even if it is something that you know, at times can be subjective when it comes to pain or discomfort. If you can display the, the positives from it, I think that that's, that's priceless. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's, it's all an effort to always get better, right? You know, you push the envelope to try to see how we can get better. And that's, we ask our student athletes to do that. And we got to ask it of ourselves at the same time as well. Yeah. Uh, no, a hundred percent, man. 100%. I think that that's, that's a great lead in too, as we get in here to these big three. So let's, uh, let's take a second here and dive into these B. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. So number one, speaking of, you know, learning and driving and trying to get better, you know, this is a field it's, it's young, it's new, and it's still growing. And it's one where there's some things that we may be making mistakes with. So from where you are right now, what, what's a mistake that you see in strength and conditioning and, and how do you feel like we could, we could go about differently and, and fix these, fix one of these? Or I think there's, yeah. I mean, there's a couple of mistakes, right? I think one of them too, is to think that um, your system or your one way is the end all be all. And it's the only way to do things. And then, you know, and you put down other people and you put down other coaches for the way they do things. And I, you know, 
everything, there, there's so many different ways to skin a cat, right? There's so many different ways in our field to, to improve an athlete's performance, right? There's no one way in which we can get it done. I think that's the beauty of coaching and that's the beauty of, of training. And a lot of what we do comes down to the artistry. And sometimes I think some people um, become so zealous over the way they do things that they can be very dismissive to others. And it doesn't help the, our profession grow, honestly. It, it's, it's, it, become, it can become very in, in antagonistic. Um, it can become very personal, um, especially when it comes down to social media, in it, which I try to stay out of as much as I can because it doesn't really help. And, and a lot of people are just become, you know, they'd rather throw darts and poke holes rather than ask, well, well why? Why do you do it that way? Because context is such a big piece of the puzzle. And a lot of people are now, don't have the perspective enough to understand that everybody's context is going to be a little bit different to how they decide to implement whatever strategies they're going to decide to implement. And the athletes that they have are going to be different. Your athletes are different than my athletes. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be different than the athletes at a power five school. Like, um, you know, we've got, we've got different recruiting pools. Like, um, the athletes are going to be able to handle different loads. Like it's different, different facilities, different needs. You know what I mean? And my needs assessment is going to be based on what I'm comfortable doing versus might be different than what you do, but that's not a bad thing. You know? So I think that's the biggest thing is, is really, um, never asking the question, like stopping and asking the question, why, well, I wonder why they do it that way. I think you do it. I mean, you do it with all your podcasts and the people that you interview where, whereas some people are like, Oh, they'll stuff it off. Like that's, that's BS or that's garbage. Well, why, why do you say that? You know? And then, and then that same philosophy gets, gets shuffled down to anybody who works with those kinds of people, those kind of coaches. And it doesn't really help to build up our profession or industry and makes it more destructive. At least that's what I see. No, I think that that's a really good, a really good point and a really strong stance that we need to have more of. You know, like you don't have to agree, right? It's also kind of a microcosm of the world we live in right now, right? Like just because we don't agree doesn't mean that you can't listen. And, mm-hmm. you know, got to talk to Hank earlier today about some of this stuff. And like, the, you know, he, he was talking about like being, being able to like look beyond things that you're doing and like kind of look at what you're doing yourself and understanding who you are. And like, yeah, you know, there are some things that maybe won't fit with what you do, right? You know, I mean, like how someone is going to handle a young college basketball team is going to be a little different than how I'm going to handle our team this year. Mm-hmm. Right? We're, we're 23 years old on average, how we would handle an 18 year old is going to be different. So some things may or may not fit, but that doesn't mean that how somebody who's handling a team of a bunch of kids who just came out of high school, like what they're doing would never be relevant and would never be important. And I agree, man. I think all too often, like we just look at it and our knee jerk reaction is that's different. It sucks. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, like, I think maybe just because people just want to puff their chest out and act like they're tough about things maybe, or they just, maybe it's, they're so insecure that like, they're unwilling to be like, Ooh, wait a minute, maybe that is right. And I'm not doing what's best. Mm-hmm. I don't 
Well, it's easy. I think it's easier to complain. I talk to my kids about this all the time. It's like, like nobody wants to, nobody wants to be around people who complain. Right. So, so it's much more challenging to find solutions to problems, but it's so easy to complain. Right. So don't tell uh, them flat out. So don't tell me a problem. Tell me a solution. And to find a solution, you have to seek first to understand. To seek first to understand, you got to be willing and humble enough to ask the questions, well, why? You know, and that that's take it takes humility to be able to do those things. You know, it's not easy. No, you no. Know? But if you really want to get better, then you got to be willing to challenge. Like it's it's one thing to be, say, all right, you're going to challenge your the athletes that you work with. But are you really challenging yourself? Then if you're not, then you're just being hypocritical. So, yes. <laughs> Hit the 15 second rewind button and listen to what he just said again because that's gold bro like yeah like are you i mean whatever other way people want to say it right are you comfortable being uncomfortable are you willing mm-hmm. to do you know these other things and like at the end of the day you have to you have to be able to look in the mirror and know that you're willing to do these things and challenge yourself too otherwise you know these improvements are never going to show up mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, man. We're uh, we're getting to be older heads in the game. Maybe it's this is just you know the, <laughs> the age catching up to us. Because I'm I'm guessing back in like 2007, we probably would have both had different answers. Or 2010. Oh no doubt. Answers. No but, doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we are we are we are becoming veterans in the game. I guess. Man, yeah, that's such a nicer way of saying it than I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, old head. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. But I think that that's also a great lead into the second one. And, uh, you know, looking at improving, growing, developing, like things that we like to talk about a lot. But how we do it is hard. Yeah. What advice would you give to a coach, you know, looking to improve those things or someone who's maybe stuck in a rut, right? Who that's like, they're doing the same thing day in and day out. And it's like, like you said, like they're maybe starting to think that, you know, they're the cat's pajamas and they got all the answers. Mm. Yeah, I think, huh? you know what? Like there's an overload of information available, right? There's so much information available and how can you decipher and differentiate between what's good, what's not good. Um, And I don't know if I have the answer to that, but I think it comes down to critical thinking ability. And, and I don't know how you develop that or how you learn that, but you got to find my best advice is if you're a young coach and this is what you want to do, find people who will push you to think critically. Um, And that doesn't even come down to like, what's on Instagram or what do you read on Twitter or what's, what's out there? Like, can some, can you surround yourself with people who will challenge you to think critically instead of just being a sheep? Find out how to be able to think. And then, because if you can understand how to think, so if I decide, oh, I'm like, I'm going to click on this article on Twitter, I'm going to read it. Okay, that's one person's perspective. Again, their context, and they're giving you the information that they've done or they've researched or they've implemented within uh, their clients or their teams or their athletes that they get to work with. Can you read that article critically 
and be able to take out the key pieces that can that you can implement within your setting and within your environment. Or same thing, listening to a podcast. Can I listen to this podcast? And can I understand where this person might be coming from or what they're going to be talking about, the questions you're going to ask them and be like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Let me go back and let me think about, let me, let me look into it a little bit more to see if it, maybe, maybe it fits what I do, or maybe it doesn't, maybe I'm just being entertained by that speaker, you know? Um, So I think, you know, you've got to be able to surround yourself with critical thinking or somebody challenges you to be critical thinkers versus just saying, no, this is it. This is the way you're going to do it. This is, it has to be it. Um, um, you know, every other way is just BS. Um, that person's a clown. That person doesn't know what they're, they're talking about. It's, if you hear, if you're around people that say that, I don't, it may not be the best environment for you to learn how to become a really good professional. But if you can be around people who are like, you know what? I never really thought about it that way. Let me try it. Or if I don't know the answer, let me reach out to that person and say, hey, why are you doing that? You know, what is the purpose of that? Um, or like I always tell my interns flat out, like, listen, like everybody has something to offer, right? You can learn how to do something or you can learn how not to do something. But everybody that you encounter encounter you can learn from. And if you have that mentality and that mindset, then you're probably going to get better. But if you're so closed mind, it's, it comes back to mindset, right? Fixed mindset, growth mindset. If you've got a growth oriented mindset to want to improve, you'll figure out how, you know, how to find information that's going to help you. I don't know if I answer that question at all, but like, 100% though, man. but it's, like it comes down to thinking. People don't think. No. I think I couldn't agree more. And I think that all too often people want to read that article and going back to the Twitter example, they want to read that article and they either want some confirmation bias to come of it, or they want to look at it and be like, yeah, but who do they coach? Yeah. (laughs) You know, or like, yeah, but, but what have they done? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I've said this a million times. I think that the greatest thing that came out of the pandemic for me was sitting there and training with the with two other people on our strength staff and a couple of our sports med people and like jokingly solving all the world's problems in a workout for 45 minutes to an hour every day. We called it fellowship. Mm. And that led to we had a, a guy coming back from an injury and me sitting down and being like, this is my plan. What am I missing? And it was a team of like five of us. And it was like, it was so cool. It was like, it was really refreshing to be able to sit there and be okay with them being like, I don't know about this part. And like not taking it personal and just being like, okay, well, can you elaborate? Like, tell me what you, what you don't agree with so that Mm -hmm. we can then, right. Like find a solution. Like you don't agree with it. Okay. Well, why? Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not like we're, we're having a flat earth debate. Like (laughs) what is like really going on here and let's break this down. And like, what things are we missing? And it was, it was rad, man. And it's like, 
Like if you surround yourself with people that are just going to regurgitate what you say, it's probably one of my favorite lines like the Joe Ken said to me way back in the day. Uh, he was talking about someone that I was working with before he got to work with him where he was at the time. It was like he would just keep regurgitating answers mm. over and over again. Like if I wanted to know what that person would say, I would call them. I want to know <laughs> your opinion of it or how you see it or how you implement it or like what's your spin on it. And I think that we get caught in those railroad tracks where we're like, like you were saying, like we have the answers, you know, the, the, the cognitive dissonance, right? Like that we think that we, we got it going on yeah. when really like taking that step back and relearning what it means to be a critical thinker like we all say we are we all say we are but like actually taking that breath and being able to sit down and look at what you're doing and have it being diced in front of you by other people to make you dig deeper into what you're doing uh, that was great uh, that was great yeah, no, it's it's something I see that's a lot of up and coming coaches lack that ability to think critically. Um, and yeah, I think the best thing I might have written a post a long time is like, don't be a sheep, right? It's easy to be a sheep. Yeah, completely. That could, that could be a long conversation right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, man. You know, with all of these things going on, the real thing that we need to be excited about is April 29th and 30th at Union Fitness and what we're going to be doing there. So let me get you out here with number three, B. What what can people expect from, from you at, at the seminar? Um, so I think they can expect to understand, well, hopefully understand fascia, um, understand how... I see what it is and how we can impact it and how we can train it. But I think more than that, if we think more globally, I want the attendees to be able to think a little bit more about what they do, why they do it, and how can the information that's going to be presented to them be implemented in what they do to try to enhance what they do. Um, and again, like every time I talk, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I really try to do is, is I'll definitely share with share what I do, but I really want people to be, be able to think about how they can improve what they do, you know, and I always try to pride myself in that ability to get people to think. Um, and I think, and it comes back to what I just spoke about being able to think critically. Um, I like to be able to present information that's not just telling you what I do. Um, I'll give you some of that, but I also want you to be able to try to think and understand about the information I'm going to present to you and see, hey, this is going to be, this is some, maybe something I need to look into a little bit more. Maybe I need to buy that. Maybe I need to get that. Maybe I need to start understanding that a little bit more, but that's the, um, that's what I really strive to be able to do. I love that, man. Cause then selfishly too, like when you're up there talking about things and you're getting people to, to kind of get those wheels spinning themselves then they ask the good questions of you that challenge you to help you try to take a little deeper look at what you're doing so that you continue whether it be that rabbit hole or find another one but you just keep digging 
because you know that's all we're trying to do yeah and that's i think that's i remember having a conversation with a former assistant about that too and it's and i think you do need to go down rabbit holes and you need to go down deep enough to understand it but you need to have the wherewithal and understanding to be able to climb out of it if it's going to lead to um maybe lead to a place that you don't like that's maybe not that important you know like like understanding neurology is awesome it's really cool and there you can get some you can do some tricks within some understand some magic out of it but that's not the end all be all like it doesn't matter if your kids don't know how to work hard it doesn't matter if your kids don't know how to show up on time it doesn't matter if they don't have respect for themselves and the people around them it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter if they're not being will being being willing to be held accountable or to some standard that's higher than what they think it is is good enough so but you got to be able to go down a rabbit hole and you need to be able to understand hey whoa stop I've gone too deep. I need to get out and I need to go back and find the middle. So it's all on a spectrum. You need to be able to understand what the middle is. And can I get all the way down there? Can I get all in and can I come back if I need to? And when I need to and understand for what situations do I need to go down the rabbit hole for this case and then come back? Yeah, because, bro, the scariest part, right, is like if you start running down rabbit holes and then everything looks like that's the answer. Oh, that's man. probably the biggest time. And dude, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty as charged I, but multiple times of that one. And it's like something that I didn't really think <laughs> about as much until uh, I was doing an inter- interview with Vinny and he was talking about it with the foot. And I was like, I just started thinking and I'm like, man, how many times in my tenure here? Did I sit there and be like, yeah, that's the answer. And then it would be like, that's the answer for like everything. <laughs> and I'm just like, God, I'm a blockhead. Like, I'm, you know, and it's like, again, it takes, I think we all need that moment too, though, of maturing as a coach to have like that face palm emoji moment of like, oh man, I caught myself doing it again, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think too, like the, the biggest thing to have with that is either good assistance or good staff or like a really good sports medicine person that can be like, bro, it's his shoulder. You're talking about his big toe. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's a great interview with Vinny and, you know, I know that he does great things around the foot ankle complex and, and all of that. Um, but he brought up like looking at things and sometimes you get caught in those ruts. And it was mm-hmm. like, I listened to that again the other day and I was like, dude, woof. <laughs> 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 but I do, I think that that's important, man. And I think that, uh, I think that'll be pretty rad and I'm fired up, man, to catch up and to see up in Pittsburgh and well down in Pittsburgh for you up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to be a blast, bro. It's going to, I'm so excited. I'm so fired up to have you as part of it. This is, this is great, buddy. I appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks, Shay. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. We'll be in touch soon, buddy. All right. Yeah, See man. Cheers.